this question did you get confirmation did you find a verse that you could stand on and say man you know as i was having my quiet not searching for it but in your quiet time that you just happen to run across oh that's it that's my confirmation did you go for counsel Uh, a couple of people did you talk to them and hopefully they weren't the ones that just are like oh go for it but like hey you know i i got this verse i've been praying about it i feel like the lord's really telling me to move forward in this And so what do you think? Your life is made up of so many different kinds of experiences. Sure, there are times when your Christian walk will feel a lot like an epic battle for your life, but there are also times of rest and calm, momentary breaks and lulls in the storm. It's important to have a guideline and standard to know how to handle the times of rest as well as times of warfare. King David was a great man and a renowned warrior, but 2 Samuel chapter 7 gives you an illustration of how to handle the challenges that come with regular, uneventful seasons of life. In today's message, Pastor Mark will teach us to guard our hearts against the pitfalls of the commonplace. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7 for today's edition of Come Alive. We now read of a time in in this chapter here, last, you know, couple of chapters, and and even in David's life, you kind of wonder, does this guy ever get a break? Does it ever slow down? So we do read of a time now that it's a blessing. It's, It's sort of a peace from David's enemies, and David is a man of war and he is often involved in stressful situations. And some of you guys and, and gals may know that even in business, you know, as a Christian, that sometimes we're involved in these stressful situations. Um, maybe you're a student. Um, maybe you're going to school and there's the stress of trying to get to that next test and study for it. And then a business person or you work in a factory or a shop, there's the stressful situation of getting your widget out the door. And so, we now see a sort of seventh inning stretch, kind of a break for David, a break from the action. And yet sometimes people, uh, they move from one passionate thing to another passionate thing. Um, I know in my life is the minute I get one thing off my plate, I quickly, for some odd reason, will put another thing on my plate. My wife oftentimes is like, dude, you cannot, there's no way, don't carry two plates, one's full enough. And so sometimes she has to remind me to put a plate down and not to go back for seconds and that I need to have rest. And, you know, and one of the things I've been praying about, even one of the guys in the leadership meeting this morning said, hey, Mark, we know you're tired. Let us take something off your plate. And I was like, awesome. And my first thought was like, what can I replace it with? You know, I'm just that kind of a person. And what can I do? I want to do more for you, Lord. So now that this person wants to do that, I want to do something else for you. And so, you know, sometimes it's just good to have that time of peace, a time of rest. And we see David doing that. And so that's what we're going to see, a calm and a peaceful time. Look at verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around. If you're taking note, If you're taking note, we see two kinds of peace here. We see a domestic peace, 
All was well with his soul. David, he's sitting there probably in his new house, resting, relaxing in his recliner. And maybe he had a crackling fire. You know, that was one of those things is I got to enjoy this week. We had some firewood and I threw a bunch of it in the fireplace and I had a crackling fire. And I think most of the crackling was the bugs in the wood popping. But nonetheless, it was a crackling fire. It was warm. It was nice. And to sit and relax and just kind of have my Bible and kind of read over uh, what we are studying today. And I thought about David, like just sitting there enjoying his fire and his new house. And just as he begins to have some deep spiritual thoughts, just thinking about God and all that God has done, and that's one of my favorite things, is sometimes just to, just to stop and have the TV off, the family goes to the bed, and just to sit out in the light of that little fire and just think about all the things that God has done in my life from even in my BC days. Sometimes to remember those are, are just sweet moments. And so David is probably doing this. And, you know, there, there's something that I also thought about, you know, and, and I found a verse the next morning that kind of spoke to this. It says, you know, it talks about the way that a man spends his leisure time says a lot about him. Psalm 119.63, David declared that his friends were those that feared God, you know. And, and that's one of those great things, you know, is to have a bunch of godly friends, a bunch of Christian friends that can encourage you and pray for you and do those things for you. But also, as we spoke about this morning, is sometimes, you know, if your friends have the exact same grocery list as you, if you walk over, let's say if I walk over to somebody's house and I open their refrigerator and see the exact same thing, that might mean I might need new friends. So it's kind of saying in a, in a roundabout way, go out and get a friend that's not like you. It might be the unsaved guy next door, and you befriend him. That doesn't mean you become like him, but you befriend him, and that's important. But David's probably sitting around thinking and doing this and, and just you know thinking about the great things that God has done and thinking about you know his, his godly friends. And here comes a godly friend. His name is Nathan. And so, you know, the, those brief interludes, those quiet times, they give us some time to reflect and think deeply, and hanging out with godly friends does that as well. And so now there's this national rest. There's domestic peace, and now also Israel's battle with the Philistines was on a temporary hold, and the nation had a moment of peace. So the two notes, if you're taking notes, two kinds of peace, domestic peace and, and national peace or national rest. And so now we're introduced to a guy. It says all his enemies around that this king said to Nathan. We're introduced to Nathan, a prophet. See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, says David, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. And so here we see this. David calls Nathan says, hey, bro, check this out. Let me tell you, I got this, I was sitting here in front of the fire in this new recliner that I have. And, you know, we sheared a bunch of sheep and it's nice and soft. And I was just relaxing and I was just thinking, man, I got all this time on my hands. Uh, Israel's at peace. We're not at war with anyone anymore. It's nice and quiet, but I just, inside my soul, I want to do something. And so Nathan is a good friend, one that encourages you. You know, that's a, that's a good friend to have, somebody that encourages you. And so he, he tells David to follow through on what is on his heart. And last week, if you remember, we saw that, that David had brought the ark of God back to his nation, back to his country, back to Jerusalem. And he's sitting there enjoying this magnificent moment, 
this awesome house and pondering how God is out there camping in a tent. Uh, You think about it, he's got a great thought. Here I am, I'm in this nice warm house in front of a crackling fire, sitting on a chair, yet God is in a tent. So David is saying, isn't it fitting for a king to live in an awesome house? But it's really not. It's really not is what he's saying. It isn't fitting for a king to live in this awesome cedar house and and the ark of God, the very presence of God to be in a tent out there. And so David says, here's what I'm going to do for God. Here's what I want to do. I got this great idea. And since he has never dwelt in a permanent house, me, David, I will build him one. And David had no other motive here than to see the name of God exalted. It wasn't a bad thing. We all have those good thoughts, right? Everybody has a great thought. Oh, this is what I want to do. And this is what I'll do for God. And this is how it's going to take place. And so David probably, he grabs his little pen and paper and he starts to hash out what he's going to do, what he's going to build. And Nathan walks in and David tells Nathan and Nathan's like, do whatever's on your heart. You're a man of God. Go for it, David. And so he declares that there's going to, you know, and even in Deuteronomy 12, God declares that there's going to come a time when he himself would choose a spot in the land of promise where the people will seek him continually. And David probably thought, you know, I didn't read the scriptures the last time and got in a lot of trouble. And this time I did. And so this is what God wants to do. And so I'm going to build the house. And like David, sometimes we can have those visions, those ideas, those dreams, and and they're biblical, they're spiritual and noble. Sometimes the dreams are from God, and sometimes, well, it's not. But both are noble, even if they're not. It's a good dream to have. Both are great, great resolves. But both are ideals, and when it's not of God, it's not going to come to fulfillment, nor should it. And so I will say this, that sometimes it's hard to determine those things. I've had a lot of great ministry ideas where I'm like, okay, here's this idea, here's this idea, here's this idea. I've had a lot of great business ideas, here's this idea. And I write them all down and I got them in a little book. And sometimes I jump on the ministry idea and it's like, eh, it just kind of teeters out. Doesn't really work. People were excited about the idea, but it really doesn't work. And those people are like, yeah, go for it, go for it. And sometimes somebody will stop and say, hey, let's pray about this. Mark, before you start running out there and screaming, it's kind of like the one guy going to war against a thousand, you know, the other 10,000 behind you forgot to tell you that they weren't going. You run out there with your pointed stick screaming and you turn around and nobody's there and you're just like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in a little bit of trouble. Feeling a little alone here. And sometimes that happens. It's hard to determine. And you might even have friends that say, go for it. But hopefully you have one friend that says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. Maybe we should pray for it. See, it's important for us to say, Lord, I've got all sorts of ideas. Nothing wrong with ideas. There's nothing wrong with plans and dreams that are biblical, spiritual, and noble. But I have all kinds of ways to accomplish big things in my own strength. And God says, but wait, slow down. I have all kinds of ways and things to accomplish those things for my glory, Mark. And not just don't go out there and do it. But Lord, I want to honor you. I, I totally get it. But just hold back. I got a plan for you. 
So I should stop. We should stop and say, Lord, I want to do these things for you, but only if they're in your plan. Lord, what is your plan right now? What are you doing? What is God doing around you right now today? Where is he working? When you go out today for lunch or coffee or home or on the road, Hey, you know, be pondering those things. Lord, what are you doing around me where you planted me or right here in this car? What are you doing? Could there be a conversation that needs to be taking place? Could there be some prayer? See, we're told in 1 John 4, 1 to test the spirits. Prophets are fallible. Well, they make mistakes. So are pastors. I'm not saying Nathan was a false prophet, but it means there needs to be evaluation and even confirmation sometimes. A lot of times people will come to me and they say, hey, Mark, check out this idea. I got this idea. I got this ministry. How about what if we do this? And I'm like, man, cool. You know, okay. And, and, and sometimes they may even want me to be like, oh, brother, what is, that's a great, and just hug them and let me pray over you real quick and anoint you with all. And, and it may not be that. Sometimes I've learned in the past that, well, okay, cool. We'll see. If it's of God, it'll, it'll go. And if it's not... It won't go. Uh, nothing will happen with it. And so to get really excited and get them pumped up for it might be a letdown because here's what happens. Later, God shows Nathan that David's building project was not part of his plan. Look at verse 4. It says, But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? And so here what God's saying is like, Have I ever asked for a house? Do I need a house? And when you think about this, we're going to look at something else. If you'll turn to 1 Chronicles 17, 1 Chronicles 17, we'll see a parallel passage that kind of talks about this. 1 Chronicles 17, verse 3, it says, But it happened that night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, you shall not build me a house to dwell in. So that same night, the word of the Lord comes to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, it's not you who are going to build my house that I dwell in. It's not going to be you, Dave. So what a tough answer for Nathan to take to the king. That'd be like you encouraging your boss who has this great business plan, this great idea to move the company forward and launch this great whatever. And you're like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. And then you go home that night, and the Lord wakes you up and says, hey, hey, wake up. You wake up, and you're like, yeah, hey, man, tell your boss not to do that. It's going to end in ruin. And you're like, seriously? And you show up the next day, and you're like standing there. What do you do? So, so Nathan's probably going, oh, man. Oh, he, he's a man after your own heart, Lord. And I, I told him yes. I know I told him Yes. And God's like, no, you got to tell him no. Well, I don't need David to build me a house. It's not for David. So he goes to David and says, David, I know I said yes earlier. I know yesterday I told you that that was a great idea. Go with your heart. But man, the Lord spoke and he said, no way. 
He said, no way. See, one thing we can learn from this, if you're taking note, don't limit God. Don't limit God. And so the first question God asked Nathan was, did I ever need a house or did I even ask for a house? And if God had a house, that would mean in these times, because you got to think in their thinking, they have the Ark of the Covenant, they picked it up, and wherever they went, they traveled with it, God's presence went with them. But if they build them a house, God's saying, if you build me a house, I'm going to be limited to locale, to location, to one spot. And so when I have these ideas, I've learned to ask personally in my own life, hey, God, am I limiting you and what I want to do for you? And that's the question we need to learn to ask. Hey, Lord, and what I want to do for you, is it limiting you in any way? Is it going to limit you? And I can say oftentimes I'm very guilty of this. I tend to sometimes think on a smaller scale than what God wants to do. I sometimes look at the bank accounts, and when we have ideas, I'm like, oh, you know, whoa, 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 guys, settle down. Uh, we don't have that much money in the bank account. Uh, that's not going to work. I don't want to spend that money. And sometimes we may limit God to that, maybe in our own personal lives. Oh, Lord, I don't know. Yeah, that's, a, that's a lot for me to do. I mean, I, I know that poor little kid over there in that other country could use schooling, but I, I, I don't know if I can allow 30 extra dollars to go out of the household account. Or I, I know I'm supposed to tie this amount, but I, I don't know if I can do that, write that first check, because I, I've got other bills to pay. And if I don't pay those, and man, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have cable. I, mean, I got to have cable or whatever. See, uh, if I make my decisions and then in the night and a few days later, the Lord says, hey, don't limit me and what I can do, or sometimes he says, just wait a little while. He, he might do that. I've done that before, is make a decision. and like, okay, cool. And, and the Lord says, hey, man, what if I just say wait? What if I say no? Sometimes he does say no. Don't do it. And that's not for you right now. He might say, I'm going to show you something better later. And, and I'll bring those people or that thing. I'll raise it up. I'll grow it up. Whatever it may be in your life that you're saying, Lord, I got this idea and this is how I'm going to run with it. It seems biblical. It looks biblical. But let me ask this question. Did you get confirmation? Did you find a verse that you could stand on and say, man, you know, as I was having my quiet, not searching for it, but in your quiet time that you just happen to run across, oh, that's it. That's my confirmation. Did you go for counsel? Uh, a couple of people, did you talk to them? And hopefully they weren't the ones that just are like, oh, go for it. But like, hey, you know, I, I got this verse. I've been praying about it. I feel like the Lord's really telling me to move forward in this. And so what do you think? And, and maybe an objective opinion might need to be taken. Somebody that steps back and goes, well, you know. And, and they have no reason to tell you. They gain nothing from telling you no or yes in, in your decision. And, and at that point, you might go for it. Sometimes the Lord says yes, sometimes he says wait, other times he says no. And here we see he told David no. Nathan should have said in the first place, David, sounds like a great idea, I'll pray the Lord's will be done. And here's the cool thing, God offers some affirmation to the no. Look at verse 8. It says, now therefore, still God talking, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, 
from following the sheep to be the ruler over my people over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great man who are on the earth. And so here we see something. Again, God tells David that he's a shepherd. David, you're a shepherd in verse 8. You're a shepherd, and, and that's why I called you. That's what I saw in you, a shepherd. You cared for your sheep. You loved your sheep. You protected your sheep. You are a good shepherd. And that's what I need you to be to the nation of Israel, to my people, to my children. That's what I like about you, Dave, is what God's saying. That's the cool thing about you is that you were a shepherd, not a contractor or a builder. I've gifted you to be king. I've gifted you and appointed you to lead my people. Nothing more. And then in verse 9, God reminds David who fought the enemies that came against him and who brought honor and glory to him. And now in verse 10, it says, Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of the wickedness oppress them any more as previously, since the time that I've commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. So here's this crazy thing. God says, I have a plan to establish you, a plan to establish a place for worship, but not now and not by you, David. Not now, not by you. Some people might be like, oh, well, that's an insult. God just slapped me. I can't believe that, God. Come on, Lord, look at what I've done for you. I've been faithful. But it's not about that. It's not now and it's not you. See, I've learned when God says no, he will always temper our disappointments with these wonderful blessings greater than any we could have anticipated or ever expected. And the times that God has told me no to the greatest thing I ever thought, the most wonderful and the best, anytime he's ever told me no, he's tempered those things with something greater. And not right away. Sometimes a few weeks and you're like, oh man, I'm so glad I didn't jump on that thing. (laughs) If I'd have gotten on that train, I'd have gone the wrong direction. Look at this thing. This is even better. Way better than before. See, have you settled in your life and told God, God, this is what I'm going to do for you? Here's what I'm going to do for you, Lord. No, 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 God says, I have something in store for you. Every time we create a new edition of Come Alive, we have the privilege of sharing the Word of God with you, our valued listener. Have you been touched by the Spirit as you've listened today? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a quick email at info at comealiveradio.com. We'd love to meet you, too. If you're in the Katy area, come join us for our Sunday morning service at Calvary Chapel Katy. We meet at 10 a.m. to dig into the Word with Pastor Mark, worship our loving and powerful Creator, and get to know each other better. You can find out more about us at comealiveradio.com. Before we go, Tracy wants to tell you how you can partner with us here at Come Alive. Thanks, Chris. Each edition of Come Alive that you hear has been professionally produced to minimize any distractions from the message of hope only God can bring. While we offer this program for free to our listeners, there are costs involved on our end. Would you pray about joining us as financial supporters of Come Alive? Any and all amounts are useful and so appreciated. 
Find out more at comealiveradio.com or you can text a donation to Calvary Katie at 77977. That's 77977. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Thanks, Tracy. We're so glad you joined us today. Pastor Mark will have more to share from this study in the book of 2 Samuel. So join us again for Come Alive. From slaves of